Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
Oh my god. Or the casual at least it was a bad guy, but there was a casual N-word in this movie. Yes, there was. <laughs> it's like wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Uh <laughs> listen, much like Maximum Overdrive, we don't have to like it. We just gotta do this, right? <laughs> let's let's go. Uh, so so since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? So our beer this evening comes to us from a New York State brewery. We're fond of New York State brewers when we're when we're able to find them. Uh, sure actually, are. I was at branching out last week. Our good friends Joel and Carissa are getting ready to go on a vacation. Actually, they're on vacation right now, so Yay. we knew that we needed to get some beer picks in. Worked out nicely. We knew what this movie was uh, on our main feed. Uh, this was the movie for my birthday pick, so I was able to. Uh, kill two birds with one stone, so we grabbed a couple beers. Uh, but our beer this evening for this worst of the westerns uh, comes to us from Resurgence Brewing Company out of Buffalo, New York. Their mission is to inspire the resurgence in forward thinking of western New York through focus on creativity, quality, pride, and community. Um, the, uh, there's not a whole lot of subtlety uh, in the beer. Uh, this evening, we're drinking a beer style that I'll be honest with you, I have never heard of, nor had Joel. Did yeah, you, I think this, you, I did think you look at a beer style made up? Yeah, th- that was that was that was Joel's uh, sense of it as well. So the the beer style, which again, if if there's a if we're missing something here, give us a give us a heads up. But the the style is it's a Buffalo style IPA, so. Now, did your mind automatically go to, is this a spicy beer? <laughs> is this like... Uh, like buffalo wing, like hot wings? Yeah. I got you. Okay. And yeah, that's where they come from, so... I was thinking, like, buffalo style, like, we'll get to the Super Bowl and then choke many, many times. I, wow. Sports ball reference. Yeah. I, I stopped being a Buffalo Bills fan. It was just too painful year after year. It, if I'm doing a little bit of digging here, I'm thinking mm-hmm. that perhaps... It's possible that this is a New England style IPA, and they've merely renamed it as a Buffalo style. But it's six and a half percent alcohol by volume. It is their mm-hmm. curbside Cowboys, which is uh, the beer selection. So I'll bet it, when we open this up, I'll bet you it's going to look like a New England IPA. Yeah, there's. Only, I was going to say there's only one way to find out, and that's to. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> well, you called me out on the. One of our last episodes, I was like, "All right, I'll do my, I'll do my duty here." Oh, this is hazy as fuck. Yeah, this is a so Buffalo, New England, same thing. Sure. Oh god. Oh. I'll tell you what, me likey, me likey the looks of this one. Ooh, and the smell. Yeah. Oh, I am having a fucking day here. Yeah, that's, yeah, we, we oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, you know, what, what our what our audience is not hearing is the 45 minutes of technical problems that we just worked through uh, <laughs> because of my computer. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're coming in this, uh, we're coming hot, we're coming in hot on this one. Oh, are we ever. Okay. Um, All right, well, I'm listen, gonna, let's I'm make it a little through. less shitty and uh, we'll drink a little. Yeah, that's a New England IPA. That's, that's a New England IPA, and it's not a bad one either. 
Oh, it's no, very, very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is a very much a New England IPA. But if you want to call it a Buffalo IPA, I'm still going to drink it. That's right. That's right. So, uh, Todd. Oh, go ahead. No, so just, you know, once again, it, as we do all the time, our beer selection comes to us from Branching Out Bottle Shop in Township 5 in Camillus in this greater Syracuse, New York area. If you're in the area, you've never been there, you got to stop in. Finest beer selection you're going to find. Damn straight. Mm. So, uh, we don't have any reshoots or reactions. We're in Patreon land. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, hey, Tom, what's the IMDb score for this movie? <laughs> God so damn it. I'll be honest with you, it it's higher than it should be. <laughs> it's considerably higher than it should be. It's five point two, which I don't understand at all. No, I don't understand either. It's probably all, all the people that like Ashton Kutcher. Oh, he he was yeah, so goofy in this. When when was Dawson's Creek a thing? Was that late nineties? Yeah, early he, I think he, he may have still been doing Dawson's Creek. Well, not, not him, but oh, Vanderbeek. 98 to 2003. So smack dab in the middle, middle of that. Okay. Yeah, because he still had that Dawson Frankenstein hair. Yeah. Yes, he did. Got yeah. that hair. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about... So I want to talk about Westerns, right? <laughs> Again, I'm a fan. Uh, the... the the one of the writing credits for this movie. Now, not a good sign. A couple of the writers who get credits for this um, don't have Wikipedia pages, which oh, is no. always suspect. Um, IMDb lists two writers who these two don't have Wikipedia pages. One's name is Scott Busby. He also wrote, uh, let's see, From China with Love. I don't recognize that. A TV movie, The Escape. A TV movie, The Rainbow Warrior. Don't recognize those. Also, Martin Copeland um, also wrote Handyman in the TV movie of The Rainbow Warrior. Oh, and the 1985 movie, The Heavenly Kid. (laughs) Yep, yep, that's right. Isn't this Um, based on a book? It is based on a book. Now, the the IMDb page only lists two writers. It was George Durham, who's a man who was born in the 1800s, who's a character in the movie, wrote this book, um, The the Taming the Nooses Strip, the Story of McNally's Rangers. That is the book that the the movie is based on. Wait a minute. Theoretically, is based on. George Durham, isn't that? Ashton Kutcher's That's Ocean, Ashton Kutcher's character. Because remember, at the end of the movie, spoiler, he retires to the farm with Caroline Dukes, right, or to the ranch. What about the beginning? When it? Oh my God! So this is this is Ashton Kutcher's character's story, telling the story of McNally's Vanderbilt Rangers. Well, not, well, technically, Dylan McDermott. Oh Dylan McDermott's, yeah, it's a mess. So, so a couple of writers that don't have a lot of other credits to speak of. Now, the Wikipedia page lists another writer mm-hmm. name that you will re- recognize, John Milius. Yeah, that name sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn. Um, he co- later co-create, co-created Rome on HBO. He was a screenwriter for Apocalypse Now, um, The Wind and the Lion. I mean, he's a very prolific 
The uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? <laughs> the Wind and the Lion, I think, uh, was about um, starring Sean Connery. So it's 1975. He's from that era. But, you know, Conan the Barbarian, Red Dawn, that Apocalypse Now. I mean, I think that tells you what <laughs> what you need to know. Um, <laughs> he's also listed as a writer on this. Um, what I So I, I'm a fan of John Milius, even when he's ridiculous. But he had a great quote um, that talked about the Western. Um, so this is from a 1992 article um, that was published in a journal called uh, Film um, Film Comment. So this comes out in 92, an article by Ann Thompson. The article is Beyond the Pale Riders. He said, okay. John Milius says, it's very easy to make Westerns. Most of the people making decisions today are idiots who, who've probably never seen one, city-born people who feel that the here and now is most important. They don't like wow. historical films of any kind, especially Westerns. Sci-fi is acceptable, but history is not hip. Part of being modern is that anything from the past is dead. We live in an historical age. An enormous amount of people were interested in TV's The Civil War and Lonesome Dove, which Hollywood writes off as the great unwashed between the coasts. We're the only culture in history that builds a, sh- a shrine and prostrates before the 14-year-old. So I okay. admire John Milius's, uh epic adventure in his screenwriting, um, and clearly he has a love for the genre. Whatever influence he had on this film <laughs> fails to land for me. Uh, yeah, that's a, um, yeah. So other than mil, other than the, the writing credits, uh, John minor is the director. He, he's got a few credits. I mean, again, not, um, certainly not, uh, hang on. Did I had that up here? Uh, so he, so he writes, I'm sorry. He directs Friday, the 13th, part two, Friday, the 13th, part three house, the, the movie house, um, mm-hmm. Warlock, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, Lake Placid, Day of the Dead. He's directed a bunch of TV, including The Wonder Years, Dawson's Creek in yeah, Smallville. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in Smallville. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, mean, liked, I liked Lake Placid. I'd rather watch Lake Placid than this. Isn't that the one where Betty White's feeding the crocodile? It's where we first were introduced to Filthy Betty White. She still has my favorite line, possibly in all of cinema, where she says, if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it right now. <laughs> She's great. Coming out um, of Betty White in 99, before we knew that she was the salty, wonderful lady sure, that she is. Sure, sure, sure. I sure. went, holy shit. Because <laughs> I, I uh, not, is she Rose? No. What was her character on Golden Girls? I am not a Golden Girls fan, so I I, I feel remember like she watching was Rose. it. I, I remember watching it as a kid, but I mean, like to the point where somebody put up a like when, when this summer when we were talking about racism a, a lot and mm-hmm. we've kind of forgotten about that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the they've shown a lot of the like uh, different world had an episode where Dean Kane. <laughs> <laughs> starts keying the n-word into Dwayne's car i'm like so did they just catch dean kane doing this and then they just put him in the show <laughs> yeah he's kind of a piece of crap but uh 
Blanche, I know that's her name, the the kind of promiscuous one that owns mm-hmm. a hotel. Yep. She, or she put up a Confederate flag and a person of color comes in and is like, hey, that's a symbol of hatred and racism and all this stuff. And she does the whole, it's a piece of pride, blah, blah, blah. And that person of color is Don Cheadle. No way. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I was like, hey, it's Don Cheadle. Oh, wow. I wanted him to rip it down, throw it on the ground, and go, boom, you're looking for this? <laughs> that's right. Rose, that's her character. She is Rose. Okay. Rose, okay. Um, uh, let's see. So what else? Uh, do you have any almost cast? <laughs> no, there were none. <laughs> they got everybody they wanted right out of the, the gate. Excellent. Good for them. Oh, and uh, some so- of these people, I'm like, probably should have Like, Robert Patrick? Oh, I felt bad for him. He- there's a lot of people in it. So, first of all, Alfred Molina's in this movie. I mean, there's a lot of people in this movie. But, uh, all right, but, but before we get there, listen, um, so 5.2 for the IMDb score. <laughs> oh, I don't Criminally know. Criminally high. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, last thing we typically talk about is the money. Yeah. So, this has a budget of $38 million. What? I wear... Oh, it- the horses, the horses, the horses. and no, the I'm horses serious. were doing a lot of blow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Harvey Weinstein wasn't. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Um, do you want it? Did you look up? Do you do you know what the box office was? Since I'd never heard of this movie until you sent me the the thing, mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna say this made. What was it? Thirty eight million was the thirty eight million was the budget. Yep. I'm gonna say it made three point eight million. <laughs> Ooh, three point eight million! What an amazing guess. No, that's way too high. This movie grossed worldwide box office seven hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars. Oh, so this is what we would call a flop. <laughs> flop? Yes. Oh yes. My. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, listen. Well, all I, I can say. All I can say is we've got some. I've got some really exciting options for our best of the westerns. So I'm excited to get to that. But before yeah, we can get too. there, we got to talk about this movie. So should we just so, uh, rip off the yeah. bandaid? Yeah, roll that film. So we open with a mixture of stock footage from the time period, not footage, but uh, pictures. And and new ones and like there was one that was obviously like a new one and it had like the classic I don't even know if this is a racist term but bandito uh, he had a sombrero with the two bandoliers with I'm like holy shit <laughs> like I just was waiting for you know the uh, speedy Gonzalez accent to come out of the picture and just be like oh my god so it, the 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 opening voiceover we get a um, there's a narrator. The amazing James Coburn. <laughs> How did they get James Coburn for this? Uh, I'm trying to think. He doesn't. He only narrates the beginning. Does he come back at the end? No. The end of the movie is them just riding their horses away. So was that literally? I mean, let's be honest. Was that even a morning's work for him? It's not more than three minutes. It, it it's probably not more than two minutes of audio. And so he probably. I don't even know what he got paid, but uh, was he wh- who did um, who did Maverick? That was what, James Garner. Coburn's in it too. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I thought I meant the character of Maverick. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. I meant the movie. He's in it too. Yeah, I mean, so I'm wondering if that was like, a, hey, you were in this western. Why don't you come be in? I mean, well, I know James Cameron I mean, did a shit ton of westerns. Yeah, so. I, th- yeah. <laughs> like he's a western guy. Yes, exactly. I mean, he's in the original Magnificent Seven. That might be that might be the best part of the movie. But there's a little backstory we get. So that book, um, that book that we mentioned, Raider, um, Taming of the Nooses Strip. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Uh, Captain McNally is at least theoretically the leader of this group. I mean, it's James Vanderbeek's movie, but McNally is at least theoretically the... the but the you don't protagonist. know that in the beginning. That's the problem. That it, This movie, in the first 10 minutes, sets it up to be Dylan McDermott's movie. It, he's it, digging it a, does. But he's digging a hole. That never well, comes into play again. Well, it, it does, but hang on. No, it doesn't. He's not buried there. Right. He's not buried there. So why does it... Uh, oh, hold on. Hold on. Before we get there, so James Coburn gives us this little snippet. The Texas yeah. Rangers disband... Now, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't go back even to check to see if this is historically correct. Uh, according to the voiceover narration, mm-hmm. the Texas Rangers disband to go fight for the Confederacy during the Civil War. Captain Leander McNally goes to fight on the, on the for the Confederacy in the Civil War, comes back, and his wife and family are gone. Then we see him digging this grave. So are we going to talk about the fact that he fought for the South? He He's a... He's a tough sell as a sympathetic character. And he's perfectly fine with fucking Usher being there. I'm like, hang on. If he fought for the friend of the South, he's not going to. Yeah. Um, wait, were his wife and kids gone or were they dead? They, they're they not dead. He doesn't know. He he comes back. One of the pictures is him holding a dead woman. Um. Oh, my God. We're already off to an aces start with this. <laughs> not good? Oh, we should probably say, hey, if anyone's looking to, you know, oh, to, yeah. to present themselves to the ball-kicking machine that is this movie, um, the only place uh, we could find it without having to buy it, I don't think you could even rent it. Oh, no, I, you could rent it for three bucks on Google Play. I That's was $3 more than I <laughs> Uh, you can download uh, Pluto TV. If you have a Roku, it's on there. You just got to sit through some commercials. And if you watch yep. it pre-prime time, you won't have as many. I I started at like 640. And by the time I got near the end, it was like commercials every 12 minutes. I'm like, eh, okay, I got yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's also, um, there's a free app for Android, iPhone, um, even my LG TV. I can... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an app for for Pluto. And also, you know what Pluto has? A 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week Star Trek The Next Generation channel. They do not. <laughs> they do. And it, you just pop on, and hey, I've seen that. I've obviously seen this episode before. So we both watched it on Pluto TV, and I was struck as I was watching it. I was like, wow, you know, there are so many commercials. But on the other hand... I wasn't watching the movie during the commercials, so... It gave, you, it gave you a second to be like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's digging a grave next to other graves, and then Tom fucking Scarrett yeah. <laughs> rides up, and is like, it says something about, like, 
I'm not going to bring them back. Of course not. It's not a zombie movie, but then he's like, the graves aren't for them. No, the graves are for him. He's got tuberculosis. Does he? Is that what he has? Does he have yeah, TB? He's a, he's a lunger. He's Doc Holliday in Tombstone. Well, I, I know. And to the point where he even had a rag, and thankfully they didn't do the tuberculosis Hollywood standard of him coughing, and then he pulls the rag away, and it's just all blood. Oh, oh, you cl- you must have looked away. As they're getting ready for the attack on the fort oh, at the spit, end, yeah, he, he, he spit spits up blood. blood. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. that one scene where he's coughing into the rag, I'm like, and I was going to pull it away, and there's going to be blood. blood. Oh, okay, well, you restrained yourself there. That's but good. there's there's no mystery here because you're right. In the first three minutes, he tells so Tom Skerritt is uh, Dukes, um, uh-huh. Richard Dukes. He's a rancher. He t- who clearly must have rode with or fought with with McNally because they, they have some kinship. Yeah, I know. Right. But, um, McNally tells Dukes that he's, he's got to dig the, the grave now because it'll be winter soon. The ground will be frozen and he's not going to last through the winter. So again, there's, there's no, there's no subtlety. There's no reveal, but also spoiler for the end. He fucking does. They bury him. It's the summer. Uh, yeah. What? Well, it's not even that far because it because I I mean how long do you think so how long do you think the movie oh what? this is this is my next question what is the passage of time because then Tom Scarrett's like come be a ranger and he's like oh, okay and he he leaves and then we're suddenly like okay now that we kind of know who these people are sort of let's introduce more characters and stay with them for a little while what the fuck it, it's it, this movie's a fucking hot mess uh, listen we should say this. Don't I mean even with Pluto TV with free I don't recommend going to watch this. I also want to say we are not uh, endorsed by Pluto TV. Sponsoring, <laughs> we're right. just just where we happen to be watching the movie. That's right. So we're introduced to uh, Dawson himself, James Vanderby. <laughs> it's so goofy. It, it it's he, he's so clearly a young adult star making the transition to. You know, the movie, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to watch a James Vanderbeek movie, go watch Varsity Blues. That's a wonderful movie. Right. What? No, (laughs) you don't like Varsity Blues. It's all right. Uh, Uh, I was going to say compared to this movie. Well, there's even a better one. Object of affection. Didn't see it. Rules of attraction. It's James Vanderbeek and it's um, the woman from Night's Tale, whose name I can't remember. She was also in 28 Days, the uh, Josh Hartnett can't have sex or masturbate for 28 days. She was a girl in that. 28 Days is the zombie movie. (sighs) Then what is it called? Look up up James Vanderbeek. Okay. It's got to be one of his known fours. See, I love, I love ours. the rules of attraction. The rules of attraction, and he, okay. look what his last name is: Sean Bateman. Yes, he the, is Patrick's brother. He calls Patrick during the movie. What? It's the same writer. It's what? It's his the name? same writer. Come on, yeah. no way. Yeah, and it it is wonderfully fucked up movie. <laughs> is it Kate? No, Shannon. Yeah, Shannon. Sossaman? Yeah, Shannon. Sossaman. Shannon Sossaman. Yeah. Oh, yes. Shans Hossaman. You've never seen Night's Tale, have you? No. I'm aware that it's a thing. It's 40 days and 40 nights. 40 that's days the one. 40 days. Uh, all right. yeah. 28 days. 20, 28 days. Or 28 days later, is that's the one I was thinking right. of. <laughs> 28 days is Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Okay. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yes, I have. That's actually a that's an enjoyable movie. 
Do you remember who the baseball player is that she she starts making out with? Is it Thomas Chain? No. No, it's Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Is it really? Yes. Oh, it is. that's right. That's right. He's so good. Hey, um, Casey, I couldn't help but notice that we're not talking about Texas Rangers. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, he's so, he's meeting. Wait, but he's he's clearly the protagonist, right? But is he? He is. Well, I mean, he's he's got to be. He's the no, moral no, I, voice. Sorry. Yes, he is. But uh, there's a good chunk of this movie where you're like, who? I mean, I know who we should root for, the guy who didn't fight for the people who thought slavery was okay. <laughs> but who is who? Who are we following in this in this story? Is it is it uh, is it Ashton Kutcher? Yeah. Listen. So this is you know this is isn't? why it's not Randy. Uh, Ja- not Randy. Randy Travis. Travis. <laughs> Randy Jackson from American yeah. Idol. Yeah. <laughs> He's a scout. Yeah. Um, he would be a scout. <laughs> he would be a scout. The, this is just a poorly written, poorly written this story. Is, I mean, let's be honest. It's poorly written. It's poorly. I mean, we, we, I, I pointed out to you, if anyone wants to suffer through this movie, uh, t- around 28 minutes, we're introduced to the character Barry. The last name is Barry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry. Yeah. Uh, Barry. He's another ranger. Barry Smith. Yeah. It cuts off James Vanderbeek's line. Remember, I pointed it out to you. <laughs> you did. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Is this just the? Is this some sort of edit on? Like for a hot second, I'm like, oh, did they edit something bad out of there? I'm like, well, they left the N word in. Oh, and there's a PG-13 movie, 2001, pre us being like, ah, eh, one fucks okay in PG-13. Sure, one N word. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the 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 tone is James Vanderbeek never looks like anything other than a guy wearing a costume, right? Like, there's no, like. I, now I'm not putting it up. I'm not putting it up for the potential for best Western because I know you're not a fan. But think of like in the Hateful Eight when Channing Tatum shows up. He's a pretty guy, sure. right? But there's uh-huh. nothing pretty about him in that movie. It's dark and gritty. But James Vanderbeek looks like he just washed his face with a washcloth, right? Like in every scene. Well, and the Hateful Eight, I love until. Uh, uh, Dominique Samuel Jackson tells his story of Bruce Dern's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, up until that, I like that story. After that, it becomes a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's wonderful until that. I was like, oh, shit. I don't argue that. I think you, I think you said it perfectly. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. And at that point, you either you you feel one way or another about that because it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. That's fair. This is true. Um, but yes. All of, I mean, uh, Usher, uh, uh, Ashton um, Kutcher, Ashton Kutcher. They all look like they're playing pretend. Y- y- which, I mean, when you get down to it, that's what acting is. But you gotta pre- feel like, like Alfred Molina in this shit movie is still giving he, a great performance. You know, he he's given a great performance. Um, Robert Patrick's Robert great. Patrick's great. Um, Randy Travis is not bad. Because Randy Travis does dick in this movie. Sure. They give him just enough for Randy Travis to, to show. That's right. Um, Tom Skerritt, for what little we get, is mm-hmm. he's Tom Skerritt. I mean, he's great. 
Rachel Lee Cook is good. Uh, yeah, she's a she's a it's counter grossly underused. You know what? Though my only problem with Rachel Lee Cook's character, who is so that is Tom Skerritt, um, who is George. I'm sorry, Richard Dukes, the rancher, his mm-hmm. daughter Caroline. She is this moral voice that I doubt is at all historically correct. Oh no, absolutely not. no. In in when does this movie take place? Eighteen. 18- uh, it's post Civil War, so it's probably eighteen seventies, eighteen eighties. There's no fucking way. Eighteen seventy five. A woman. Eighteen seventy five. And there's no way a woman would talk to a man the way Rachel Lee Cook does. I, I don't even know. Now, that, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying that no, in eighteen seventy five, her statement that essentially if you if you hang a man for stealing cattle, you're saying that the the man's life is worth no more than the cattle. Like it's a right. sensibility. I just, I, that feels like, um, I gotta be honest with you. I don't think that dances with wolves is a great Western because I think it, oh, it's not, I think it's it overlays Western, yeah. 20th century morality in a period where, where it's incongruous. And I think that's what we're seeing in that scene. I think that's there so that we feel right about the world that this movie's inhabiting and I think that's one mm-hmm. of the things that makes it a bad Western. It doesn't. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this will be the one we watch because you and I haven't talked through this. We'll talk through it at the end. But well, it, it has nothing to do with us. It, yeah, but our audience will. Sure, but well, no, but I'm saying like this will be a nice little teaser for where we're going because it's better than talking about the movie. But <laughs> you know, contrast this like this this lack of authenticity for the period. Mm-hmm. Think of. Unforgiven with Clint Eastwood. Sure. And think of how how fully real that period is. The brutality of Little Bill, you know, the 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 guns for hire. Just you couldn't think of two movies farther apart, you know? Man, I you yeah. I you know, there's vestiges of like the Lone Ranger in there. There's vestiges of I was trying to think, what was the other movie? I mean, essentially. So James Vanderbeek is Dunnison. He's the son of a guy who's going to sell cash registers to merchants across the West. Automatic drawer. Automatic. That's right. That's the big um, that's the big selling point on him. And that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. He who, is a prototype. Who, who is that guy that's with them? Is that that's not his father? No, that's his father. Oh, that was super fucking unclear. <laughs> if you're of a certain age, the wonderful, I believe that's Carl Spano. Uh, if you watched Hill Street Blues growing up, he's, I'm sorry, Joe Spano, Joe Spano. He's Mr. Donison. He doesn't even have mm-hmm. a first name, uh, but great character. And when you see him, you know him. Uh, again, there's a million, there's a million people in this movie. So James Vanderbeek is like hemming and hawing that it doesn't work. And he goes, that's, that's why they call it a prototype. I'm like, that's not why they call it a prototype. It still works as a prototype. It's a prototype because there's only one, and there's chance Listen, to fix proto. Yeah, it's four. It, so, <sighs> so Lincoln Dunnison arrives in. Uh, where was the? Uh, I had that note. Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge. It was a peaceful town called Rock Ridge. <laughs> no, Rock Ridge is a town in Blazing Saddles. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> I feel like we get, he, they get into town. Uh, there's a reunion. Um, Lincoln was surprised. He thought his mother was back in Austin. His father has a surprise for him. His mother's there. So there's a little mini family family reunion. And 
and his, and little, his brother. little brother, right? And a mm-hmm. cattle auction in the town is interrupted by Alfred Molina, the bad guy, Fisher. And Fisher brings in his bandits. He's going to take all of the cattle for nothing. Mm-hmm. Not only does he shoot the marshal who stands up to him, but his men basically slaughter the entire town, but for James Vanderbeek, who survives under the corpse of his brother. So, and then James Vanderbeek finds a skull uh, t-shirt, <laughs> puts right. it on. Right. It's so Punisher. Like, I'm like, is this the fucking Punisher? It, it, yes. Yes. But, but wait. Now, Old West Punisher, I would watch the shit oh, out fuck of. Fuck yeah, right? Give him the sense of morality. Like, give him... I'm a big fan of the Lone Ranger. Like, you know, we could... It's mm-hmm. been done better, much better than what we get here. But... Well, except the new Lone Ranger now has a new wrinkle of uh, controversy. Oh, uh, because of Johnny Depp? No, he's always been a part of it. No, Army oh, Hammer. Army, that? I'm a gamble. I saw a headline. I didn't read the article. Is it... Oh, there's DNs where he's like, I want to drink your blood and eat your heart. And you're just like, oh, holy shit. Okay, calm calm down, Army. All right. But but thankfully, he's like, you know, as long as you're consensual (laughs) to it. Oh, (laughs) good. Good, good. Um, So after Dunnison survives the massacre, all of a sudden, like smash cut, he's walking across the plains with no Uh equipment wearing his bowler in a shirt and a vest and just walking. Like, even if the entire... And somehow he ends, ends, ends up in the yeah, next town. Even if the literally the entire town is slaughtered, like, clearly there's buildings there, there's an infrastructure. Why wouldn't you grab canteens, water, food, anything? Because it looks cooler if he's just walking with nothing. I was skeptical before, but that's the moment where I'm like, oh, fuck this movie. And this is also where I, again, want to ask, what is the passage of time in this movie? Because we start, uh, Dylan McDermott's talking about how, you know, he's not going to last the winter. It seems like from what everyone's wearing, it is spring at this point. It can't be that long. Because no one's so wearing. Dukes, so Dukes convinces him and, to go talk to yeah, the Texas here we governor, are. right? The Texas governor is wants to. Um, recommission the Rangers, and he wants McNally to, to right. lead him. But and then next time we see McNally, he's leading a detachment of Rangers. Um, yeah, I don't think it's that long. I I think, and again, if that was an important turning point for McNally, we don't see it happen. We don't learn anything about it. No, who cares? So exactly, why does it? Why does it matter? We need. Dawson and uh, Kelso to show up and start <laughs> fucking around. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, we need Kelso and uh, Dawson to recreate Brokeback Mountain. Uh, <laughs> There's a couple moments in this movie, like where he's like, "Oh, I got our tent over here." I'm like, uh, "I'm on the left." That's right. I'm on the, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he wanders into this town that has obviously also been raided by uh, King Fisher, yeah. and uh, he finds. Ashton Kutcher pre-nose job. Like when he popped up, I was like, God nose. I'll be honest with you. I didn't recognize him in that scene because we're used to his new nose. (laughs) It's amazing how that works. Amazing how that works. We watched something uh, that had a young Nicole Kidman in it. Mm -hmm. 
And it's just, it's sad. Really? Because you look at how beautiful she was and how, like, you look at her in the prom, how much shit she's had done to her face. I, I don't. And you're just like, oh, Nicole, you used to be. I don't know that I pay that much attention to her. And now, I, now she's this. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She's uh, Norma Desmond. <laughs> Oh, that's unfortunate. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. That's unfortunate. But yeah, Kutcher's definitely had some sort of nose job. I don't know if he's uh, done it under deviated septum, blah, 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 but he had a big old ridge in this movie. I was like, <laughs> um, is this how, like, to the point where for a second, I'm like, is this how this person looked in real life and they're doing like a uh, little, and then I went, no, that's no. not this yeah. kind of movie. <laughs> so, uh, so, Dennison and Durham, Ashton Kutcher's character, who is the the man who will write this book. Um, Can we just call them Dawson and Kelso? Dawson and Kelso, that's fine. Uh, Dawson and Kelso bond over their shared trauma. Uh-huh. They end up at the next town where they meet McNally, who's who's basically signing up. And it's like the old, it's the trope of they've got the desk out in the middle of the field. And they're signing guys on the spot, like, make your mark. There's a quick draw test and an accuracy test of shooting. The reason um, Dawson goes to sign up is because he they get to the town, and there's someone who's going to take... They're like, there's a bunch of bandits raiding the town. And right, then that's right. Dylan McDermott... Uh, uh, they're not, no, no, they're not bandits. They are essentially vigilantes. vigilantes they're going to form up to go right. after the bandits. That's right. And the only reason I want to point out the scene is when when um, Dylan McDermott's like, hey, you know, make your choice, son. And it shows Randy Travis, and he kind of gets his hand close to his gun. And then it shows Robert Patrick. And Robert Patrick's gun is facing handle out instead of handle back. Yes, it's a, cross, handle forward. It's a cross body drop. Right, which is when I did Assassins, that's how I put my gun. I put it, and I cross body drawed. Mm-hmm. But Robert Patrick goes to grab it like it's a quick draw. And I'm like, what are you going to oh. do? You, I, At least I know me, me, hello, doesn't know <laughs> shit about guns. Yeah. I'm like, you're going to be fumbling and they're going to put six holes in you. He literally like, huh. if this if this is the handle I of the gun, that. like, like oh, yeah, he yeah. puts his hand like this and he's nowhere near the handle. He puts it like over the, the barrel. I'm like, what the fuck? Hmm. Now I I get I get putting it that way. The reason I I put mine that way because it looks cool, and you also have a little extra thing to rest your hand on. Um, but what the fuck? Oh, okay. So actually, I'm seeing. Okay, so I I call that a cross body draw because you're reaching your hand reaches across your body to draw it. So that's also called a cavalry draw. Oh, so that would be. Oh, that makes sense because if you're riding. If you think of the motion, how hot, how far back you far reach. back you'd have to mm-hmm. tack your elbow to reach it. Yeah. Okay. So that makes more sense. But you're right. He shouldn't. He he should. Or at the very that, least, that requires cross his hand. He's using the same hand that the gun is on his hip, and just mm-hmm. kind of rest it there. I'm like, what are we doing? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. obviously he. Uh, oh, and, and also the the vigilante points out that he thinks that Dylan McDermott's character was a preacher in a town, and Dylan McDermott's like, "Oh, you must have been mistaken for someone else." Yeah, I mean, again, okay, who cares? I mean, there's a there's a little tease at the end before Fisher thinks he's going to kill him, right? Like it's, I mean, listen, let's let's condense it down. So they join up. McNally's hunting Fisher. Mm-hmm. 
McNelly gets a group of raw recruits, like some of them never shot, you know, for $40 a month. They're now Texas Rangers. The horse McNelly goes after the horse, the the, the clothes, the boots, the gunner. That's 40 bucks right off the bat. You owe, you owe them a month once you sign Mm -hmm. up. Right. Um, uh, Fisher has split up his, his group into different parties. McNelly finds one small party. They have a success taking the men. McNelly hangs the men, even though they surrender. Mm-hmm. They get on the trail of the larger group. Oh, wait. Did you recognize one of those two men? The long-haired one? I don't know. He's from The Mummy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Odin Fair. He's also the fleet admiral on um, Star Trek for uh, Discovery now. Totally that guy actor, yeah. And spoiler, he's not a bad admiral. Because most Star Trek now, if someone's an admiral, you watch the fuck out for them because they're out to get you. <laughs> Got it. Got but it. They, they have a lot of fun with it all season. You're like, no, we trust this guy. Teasing. Is he, is he, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, it was really fun. McNelly f- tracks down Fisher's main troops, his, you know, his main forces. Mm-hmm. McNelly's forces attack, but of course his men are too inexperienced and although they attack with surprise fisher's men rally drive them off and it's a terrible defeat um mcnelly loses like a quarter of his forces yeah, yeah and and um, they're all hung up and one person is left alive which is a i i just called her random latina woman because i don't think we ever learn her name her, yeah her name's perdita they oh. say it a couple times, but do yeah. they? they? They do. They do. When, is, it, is it in the scene when her father sells her off? To no, save that's her wife? husband. What? So I was typing my notes. I'm like, a circus man and his daughter. And he goes, my wife. I was like, and his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I completely. Gross. Gross. Yeah. Um, you're right. They. She survives. She gives McNelly a clue what she overheard as to where Fisher was going. Fisher sets out on that, realizes after he's on the trail that that was a trick. Fisher has circled back, slaughtered the not, not just, ranch. Not just a trick, a trick that she was a part of. She was a part of to protect her her village in Mexico. Right. Right. Um, the Rangers basically get to the Rio Grande. Fisher's troops are on the Mexico side. And of course, he can't cross into Mexico. But Dunison, I'm sorry, Dawson <laughs> urges him to cross the river and attack and surprise. They attack this fort. There's a big battle. Fisher is killed. McNelly will die of tuberculosis. Dawson and Kelso will will survive. Dawson. Rides off as a lawman, as a ranger. Kelso becomes a rancher and marries well, the rancher's well, daughter. Before, you know, when when he's becoming head of the rangers, when Dylan McDermott's like, I'd, I'd like you to lead the rangers after I've gone, uh, you know, Dawson turns to him and goes, I don't want your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played. Listen, that's more laughs than... Now, you, you messaged me. You had oh, yes. a moment where you laughed out loud. I did oh. not. So what what made you laugh? During the trading montage, yep. Dawson rides by in his horse. He's trying to shoot something. And he's, I mean, it just looks like 
James Vanderbeek is bad at writing. <laughs> and I think they just had to go with it. I think it was one of those things where during an audition, the, the joke is whatever they say you can do, say you can do it. That's right. And I think he's like, can you ride a horse? Yes, absolutely. That, can you? That, that is the famous actor resume yeah. thing, right? Yeah, like, I yeah. can do. I can, yeah. And uh, he rides by. <laughs> Robert Patrick turns to Randy Travis and goes, boy rides a horse like he rides his sister. He knows he's doing something wrong. <laughs> I, was just, I was not expecting that kind of joke in this movie. Like, yeah. I, this is only 27 minutes into the movie that that happens, but I'd given up by then. And then that line happened. I was like, oh, fuck, that was funny. <laughs> There's your moment. That's maybe, the fun. Maybe that's the, the line that um, the Apocalypse Now guy wrote. John Milius? Maybe he wrote that. He's like, well, maybe he was on set just visiting and saw James Vanderbeek riding. He's like, boy, rides the horse like he rides his sister. You know, he's doing something wrong. Like, can we put in the movie? He goes, all right, but I need a writing credit. That is a good line. No, listen, so um, I'll I'll put it in here. So also on the Wiki page, they link out to an article from uh, 2001, November Mm -hmm. 2001. By David Darcy in The Guardian, uh, an article, Go Ahead, Pinko Liberals, Make My Day. John Milius claimed that Miramax mutilated his script. Milius said, they don't have any sense of responsibility. They'd make a film about anything if they thought it would make some money for them. I think they should give Harvey Weinstein to the Taliban. Uh, Sure. Uh, I'd like to see him on the other side. I'd like to hunt him down in a cave. Listen, I got to be honest with you. I would be interested to read. Where did we just talk about this? Uh, Toxic Avenger for different reasons. I would be interested to read Milius's original script. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, you're never gonna. He's never writing terms of endearment. You know, he he's not he's not writing he's not. Um, bridesmaids. But John Milius writes raw macho action. Yes, he does. I'll bet his original script was unrecognizable compared to the movie. Have you ever read the script to Lethal Weapon 2, the original Shane Black script? No, no, no. I'll send it to you. Oh, he dies, right? Uh, And also the movie starts where Riggs is walking on a runway wasted. It is a completely different movie. Anytime there's any goofiness in the second one, Shane Shane wanted to make another dark um, Lethal Weapon 1. Because Lethal Weapon 1 has some humor in it, but it's still pretty fucking It's dark, yeah. The, the humor is just so you're not like, oh my god, I'm watching a DC movie. Well, you son of a <laughs> fucker. <laughs> I could. I'm going to take the high road. I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, but, what? but that yes, Riggs originally dies in Lethal Weapon 2. Uh, he is still struggling with alcoholism in it. I mean, it is, it's it's the grief over his wife. Wow, it is dark. I don't even think the Krugeran, it's been a while since I read it, but I don't even think the Krugeran uh, subplot is in there. Really? I, don't rem- I might so, be wrong. I might be wrong. It's been, it's been a minute. I'll have to go find that. Hey, did I tell you that I got Joseph and I watched the pre- um, watch Predator the other night? Oh wait the the good one the one with uh, no well the original Predator yeah the good one oh right yes we did not watch it then we had a little conversation about the other Predator movies yeah well, you can't even show him 
Predator 2. That's a little much for him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, Todd, he's 14 now. Todd, there are naked people that are skinned alive and you see it all. Come on. You, we saw the flayed bodies in Predator. Oh, I mean, that's, that's true. And you yeah. know, the, But the problem is with, with uh, <laughs> Predator 2 is that you look back and you go, it's a bad movie. You also go, it's kind of fucking racist. <laughs> It's oh, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um. Well, I think our next on. one. So I he already he's... shared this with you. Oh, that's right. You did. That's right. I've got it. I haven't mm, read it clearly. Dingaling. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um. You know, I think our next. So Joe is. He's really getting into Arnold. He really. I think he's. He's starting to understand what Arnold represented for us growing up. Yeah. So I think our next one might be the Running Man. Because we we watched we watched T two we watched Predator. Um, I'm not going to show him uh, Commando. Not not yet. Not, it's also not very Raw good. Deal. No. no. Um, we we watched the original Terminator. Cop. Um, so so we started to watch Twins. He liked it, but he he wasn't loving it. I was like, how do you not love Twins? Kindergarten cops better than twins. You think? Oh, so? uh, uh, have you watched Twins lately? Yeah, because it's funny. Twins is a, it's a good. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just I like the Kindergarten Cop because when he gets arrested, and it's still when Arnold's uh, Austrian accent was still fairly thick, so he's like, "I detected John Kimball. I'm a cop, you idiot." <laughs> like, <what? laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but I think I think Running Man might be next. Uh, I might wish I next. could think of the oh, the I, 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 my favorite line in the movie, and I can't think of the beginning of it. But it's the I'm gonna uh, something something about ripping out his goddamn spine is the end of it. Can't remember. Oh, that's right. So funny. I'll tell you what I think of it. I live to see you eat that contract, but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine. Ah! Oh, and I watched True Lies with him, which he liked. But again, and again, I feel like it's, you know, it's the same way that, so listen, th- this is all better conversation than talking about the movie. I'm so, fine with this you know, being the rest of the podcast. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when when we were growing up and there would be, uh-huh. if a cartoon showed up outside of Saturday morning or The Simpsons, mm-hmm. Right, like, like a like a, a holiday special, like a cartoon showed up, it was a big deal, sure. or a cartoon movie, right? Because there wasn't a lot of that. Now, of course, animation's everywhere, so it's it's nothing special. I kind of feel like, certainly for me growing up, and I'm ten years older than you, but for me growing up, Arnold was this amazing action movie star. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, there are a million action movie stars, so I feel like it doesn't mean the same thing. Sure, he was. The action movie star. You had Stallone. You had Jean Claude Van Damme. In my opinion, Arnold was always above both of them. I mean, he was the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love in I love in True Lies. Um, uh, when when he's got the nuclear uh, bomb, he goes, "Do you know what this is?" He goes, "It's a, it's a snow cone maker. It's a, it's a no way." <laughs> it's a cappuccino right. machine. <laughs> yeah. And then they put the gun to Jamie Lee Curtis's head and she just says, yeah. he says exactly what it is. And then she, uh, 
I wish I wish that movie would be released on Blu-ray. I, I was annoyed. I'm not gonna lie. Criminal. I'm watching it on DVD, annoyed half the movie. Like, why am I not watching this on Blu-ray? Actually, why am I not watching this on 4K? Like, that's so. Well, no, it's all models, but that's the reason Deep Space Nine has not been turned into 4K like uh, Next Generation was because oh, it won't look good. The Defiant, the ship that they have, everything in the Dominion War, which is the last two and a half seasons, sparsed out through there. All the ships are CG, and they're like, we'd have to, we'd have to redo all the ships. Re- yeah, you know, because it. Just- it wouldn't hold up. Yeah, yeah, they redid all the stuff for Next Generation. They just pulled the Enterprise D out of mothballs and just uh, redid it all, and it looks fucking stunning. Wow! But it didn't. It didn't sell well enough. They Paramount expected everyone to buy it, and sure, <laughs> it's and- available on Netflix, on CBS All Access, <laughs> on Hulu. Why the fuck do I need to own a, vis- a physical copy of it? Sure, I have season yeah. one, and I have the the movie version of Best of Both Worlds. The uh, episodes where Picard becomes a Borg. Oh, well, it's a big deal! I remember when that happened. I wasn't watching it, but I remember when it happened. Yeah. Uh, you mean when they left us with the cliffhanger of he's been Borgified and they've got a weapon to destroy the Borg cube, and Riker yells "fire," and then the episode ended. <laughs> and we had to wait from May until motherfucking September to find out what happened. <laughs> Commander, where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank! Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain! I mean Commander, I mean. Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just dial that back there. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest roleplaying game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you.
I want to talk about this. Alfred Molina deserved a better movie. And he's in a better Western. He's in, yeah, sure. He's, he's in Maverick. He's great. He's in Maverick. In Maverick and he, his, it, it, <laughs> it's a little racist, but he's, uh, yeah, sure. Because he is an Englishman and he's playing a Spaniard. A Spaniard. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it's not the only time he does it. He does it in Indiana Jones. So that's right. That's oh, right. Oh, boy. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about about this yeah. movie? Let me let me look. Oh, you know what I didn't see coming? Yeah. Sussa Sam being a um bad guy. That was actually a really good turn. Oh, the one the stuttering guy? Yeah, the one the one ranger that when when he pulled the gun and stopped stuttering and was ready to kill Dylan McDermott, I literally went, Huh. Okay. I bet you that was from Milius's script because that mm. is that does not fit in with the rest of the movie. And what was it? What was it? Sarsaparilla? No, not Sarsaparilla. What was the Is the word that Randy Travis tries to trick Dawson into drawing on Sasper? But what's the word that uh, that Kelso tries to get him to say before? He says, "I bet you I can I can draw before you say this word." Peppercorn. Peppercorn. Yeah. And then at the end, when he when Kelso shoots somebody, he goes. Peppercorn, I'm like that's right. Yeah, is, is, this, is, yeah. You, is this your? It's just been revoked because it doesn't work. It's it, let's, and I don't know that we won't do beat by beat against best of, but the ways in which this is a bad movie, you know, the the lack of any kind of authentic feel. Everything looks too clean and modern, and it must be in the book. But how does George know this? A very freaks out so much that he shoots uh what's his face during the the thing and ends up yeah. getting himself killed. Yeah, he yeah, it's that just seems that also feels like it was Emilius thing. Like, the, well, he's the, the, look on is, the look on Fisher's face when he shoots him, it's it's a little <laughs> bit it's a little bit goofy. It's just, yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's that's exactly right. That's yeah. what we call acting. Acting, that's right. It was criminal that we were 51 minutes into this movie before we saw Rachel Lee Cook. I mean, that's... Except what purpose does she serve other than as a, you know, a a, a fork in the road, a choice for Dawson? For I just, I really like, I think she's a great actor. I think she's, a, she's got a really yeah, fun way. Yeah, go watch her in this. Go watch her in something else. <laughs> go, go watch her in Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, there you go. She's great, great, great. You know who's also in Josie and the Pussycats? Rosario Dawson. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mrs. Sokotano. That's right. You, which, you know, we never talked about. Do you now understand why I fucking love a Sokotano as a character? Uh, yeah, she was badass. Yeah, that was really cool. Especially since, like, if you if you just watch the Clone Wars movie, mm-hmm. the animated movie that they did, you're like, oh, Ahsoka Tano needs to be Order 66 right now. <laughs> she is the most obnoxious character. Like she calls Anakin Sky Guy, Sky. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, what the fuck are we doing here? But by the end of by the end of her first part of Clone Wars, yeah, she's great. I mean, I still can't believe that was Michael Bean. I'm not gonna lie, I had to rewind to go another Western the scene at the end there. Yeah, they used day for night way too much in this movie, mm. and they used it really poorly. Yeah, like every time it happened, I'm like oh, there's a blue gel over the camera. Got it. Yeah, the crux of the 
plot is the disastrous choice by McNelly to attack Fisher's camp. Yes. Right, where he lo- McNelly will lose a quarter of his men. I think he comes back to Duke's Ranch. He's got 12 or 13 men to bury. He had 30. Yeah. So actually almost half. He lost almost half his men. Um, Good Lord. So I don't understand. He has, they're mounted. You know, there's a rate. So I'm trying to think what his tactic was here. It's such a bad battle tactic. If If the idea, so typically, you know, you on horseback, you have mobility. So you move in quickly and attack and move out. None of them have swords or sabers, so it's all you know pistols. So again, you move in, engage, and get out of there quickly. They move in. We see that the rangers are all on on foot, so they've dismounted. They've lost. Like it's the the worst. I'm, I'm, you know what? Why am I even going there? It's a dumb tactic that fits a dumb movie. There's. Uh, I looked at that battle. I was like, what? did you think was going to happen there? If this was a pure John Milius script, Mm -hmm. I would say it was a man who was dying, not thinking of everyone around him. Sure. Sure. Singularly driven by a purpose more important than his men. Sure. That's a, and possibly this actually happened. Uh, No. So I'm, I'm looking at some of the notes. (laughs) Okay. So, so the Wikipedia page has some other notes. The film is loosely based on the activities of Leander H. McNally and the special okay. court of the Texas Rangers, but it takes considerable liberties with the historical record. McNally mm. dying of tuberculosis shortly after the climax of the action, when in real life he had retired from the Rangers the year before. John Kingfisher was not actually killed by the Rangers, but came to an agreement with them. So... Yeah, but actually, you know, as soon as you said that, that's a movie I'd be more interested in watching. McNally is so driven to bring Fisher to justice Uh that he'll sacrifice his men, innocent lives, you know, like Perdita, he'll he'll shoot her to get the truth. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yes, that's at least a story worth telling. This is fucking bullshit. And then I'll leave it with this. So... The critical reception of the film was Texas great, right? Ranger. We all loved it. Was banned by critics. Shocker. <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, you know, sometimes Wikipedia will link, will state a fact, and that changes over time. I went to double check. It's still correct. On Rotten Tomatoes, based on 51 critical reviews, it has an approval rating of 2%, meaning one critic said, yeah, this is a good movie. <laughs> The the website's consensus reads, as far as Westerns go, Texas Rangers is strictly mediocre stuff. I think that's being fair. That's mediocre being, means like being middle. kind. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking hot garbage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm good to... Wait. I got... So let's, let's quickly talk about the raid on the fort in Mexico. The fort at the end. Okay, yeah. sure. So I know Dylan McDermott was... Saved by a mirror, <laughs> but I don't understand yeah. how that worked. So, okay, he shoots so, the mirror and then is able Mc- to shoot the guy. I I didn't understand what the fuck was happening. So, Mc- so McNelly is like basically pinned down, yeah, and he recognizes that the the bandit is has a sight line from a mirror, so he can see where he's he's exactly where he's sitting. So the first thing McNally does is he shoots the mirror 
so the guy can't see him, and then he pops up and shoots him. Oh, okay. That makes that makes sense. Question mark. Sure. And then you know, random Latina woman uh, saves James Vanderbeek in the end. Yep. And I'm sorry, James Vanderbeek kills Molina by jumping forward. Oh, yes. How does that work? But wait, how about the shot of him, like, digging in his toes in the dirt to jump forward? Like, the the slow motion, like, toe action. How does that work? How is that going to stop Molina from being able to shoot him? Well, apparently Molina can't aim down. He can only shoot straight, like, parallel to the ground. And when when Dawson goes below eye level, yeah. And then add something in where... Kingfisher has an arm injury and no way. No, I was, I was full of shit. I was, I was bullshitting there. There's no reason it's dumb. Yes. It's it's because James Vanderbeek has to win. Yeah. Literally all Fisher has to do is drop his hand like six inches and shoot. Yeah. Yes. How about the fact that they are behind? So Fisher's men are on the Mexican side of the Rio Grande, right? They are in a walled fort a walled fort that has a Gatling gun on the parapet, right? That's their second Gatling gun. I mean, those things had to have been so expensive back then. Uh, I mean, they were developed in the Civil War by John, uh, was it John Gatling? He was a surgeon intending to show the horror of war. (laughs) Whoops. So he oppenheimered his way into history? kind of did, yeah. Uh, Richard Jordan Gatling, sorry. But, uh... Yeah, you're right, and there's that's a specific point that when the McNally attacks the first group of Fisher's men, they had a Gatling gun. Mm-hmm. Fisher, when he learns about the attack, specifically acts about asks about the gun. Right, he doesn't give a shit about the men. Yeah, but the Rangers are able to assault this walled fort with a Gatling gun. Well, because they suddenly have dynamite. Where was that dynamite when they raided the camp the first time? That probably would have come in handy. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's just, just no, no bueno, no bueno. How about at the end, the gross last line of the movie, when Kelso rides by and is like, <laughs> Jackie, we're going to the mall. Oh, wait, no, that's, that's how we show. <laughs> so she's going to go out and get some, some cattle. Right. And James Vanderbeek says, he's a good rancher. And whatever else you had in mind for him, I'm sure he's good at that, too. <laughs> what? That's right. I, I, Rachel Lee Cook, if this was actually 1875, would have hauled off and slapped him for talking to her like that. You don't talk so, to a woman who's not your wife about sex. That's pretty cringy. How about the cheesiness of McNelly's last not lines? <laughs> when they remember us Rangers, let them remember us not as men of vengeance, but as men of law and justice. God, God. And I wrote, <laughs> Bill McDermott is going for his Oscar right now. Oh, except, he's except, never, come on. He's I never going to win one. Dylan McDermott is a one-note actor. Oh, ouch. So he's also not coming on the podcast? Is that what we're saying? Well, if you look at this and then look at uh, another movie from around the same time that I loved, uh, Three to Tango with Matthew Perry and Nev Campbell. I remember that that was a movie. It's the exact same performance. <laughs> Got it. Oh, you know who's also in um, Three to Tango is uh, John C. McGinley. Oh, we like him. Yeah, how could you not like Dr. Cox? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have anything else to talk about. The end of the movie is 
he gets all the Rangers together. The, the T-1000 is, says, Rangers? And he looks at Dawson, and Dawson says, ride out. So uh, they ride off and cue the music at the end, and then it is, I don't want to wait for a bus to be over. <laughs> no, wait, that's not it. That's not the song. That's something else. Oh, all right. And so movie. Oh, Casey, that was so bad. And it wouldn't be, I guess it would still be as bad, but it's also the fact that we've gone with Toxic Avenger and Suicide Squad. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done with shitty movies. I swear to God, if I don't have a blast watching um, Flash Gordon, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you right in the ball. I think I, I I'm not gonna lie. I expect you're going to enjoy Flash Gordon. All right, all right. Well, listen. Right. Let's. We, we've got some questions. I mean, do you, we sure. do. No, we, we we have to. Okay. Yeah, all right. Get out of Toxic Avenger too, but we all right. Still got, hey, who's your favorite character? Uh, James Coburn is the narrator in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> who's yours? The Gatling gun. The gun. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Casey. Oh, here's a yeah. tough one. What's the best scene? <laughs> uh, the best scene is when they're riding off on their horses and then the credits are rolling. <laughs> yep, 100%. Felt real um, good. Yeah. Uh, do you want to take a guess at my answer for the next one? <laughs> what, what scene you would cut? The so whole movie? Start with James yep. Coburn. <laughs> Don't and then for some, reason, for some oh. reason, it flashes to Robert Patrick saying, boy rides a horse like he rides a sister. He was just doing something wrong. <laughs> and <it>. credits. credits. <laughs> uh, hey, Casey, who is the actor having the most fun? You know, uh, it's an Ashton Kutcher. It's totally Ashton Kutcher. It's so dumb. Oh. Or it's, is it Robert Patrick? It's him or Alfred Molina. He's... Getting to be just like but as broad. I think, I think Alfred Molina knows he's in a bad movie because uh, there are some scenes where he's kind of phoning so? it in. It's still fantastic because it's fucking Alfred Molina. But sure. I think Ashton Kutcher went into this movie thinking this was his big break. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, now. No disrespect to Ashton Kutcher, the work he is currently doing for sex trafficking and child abduction. But that's is not what we're talking about. Listen, that's phenomenal. not what we're talking about. That's no, I know, not what I'm talking about. about. But yeah. it needs to be said that he has found a new life doing amazing humanitarian work, helping mm-hmm. sex trafficking not be a thing in this country. So yeah. agree. This movie, though, he 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 should be he should be on an apology tour. So. <laughs> Is 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 the sex trafficking uh stopping sex trafficking part of the apology? <laughs> is, is it the apology? All right. So once again, the IMDB score for this movie was a five point two. Hey, what was the what was the Rotten Tomato score? A two percent? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, yeah it's a two. 2%. Point two. Yeah. Uh, so that would be point zero two. Yep. Oh no no yep. point two. Point two out of ten, right? Yeah. Any, any, yeah, yeah. It sure. ain't, ain't five point two. I'll tell you that much. That's right. Yeah. Um, Dad's breakdown. I watched this in my bedroom because I didn't want to subject anyone in my family to it. That should I, tell I mean, you. 
so you you point out there is an N word that is used by a bad guy, right? Yeah. So okay, um, you know, certainly lots of people are shot to death. Uh, I don't the think there's other language, but it's this is more like why would you watch this with your kids? There's no reason right. to watch this movie. You know what's so weird is that the the hanging of all the other rangers was pretty graphic, but then when Scarrett got hung, it cut away so quick from it. Same yeah. thing when the when um uh, the guy from the mummy Oded uh, Fair Oded Fair when his his buddy there his brother yeah yeah I mean again listen I, don't watch this movie don't watch no. this movie <laughs> that was another that was another nice moment when he spoke to his brother in French. And then Dylan McDermott's like, what'd he say? He says, don't worry, they'll believe us. And they both look at him like, oh, we're fucked. <laughs> we're totally fucked. That's right. The, these couple little, like, sprinkles of good, of enjoyable yeah. moments do not, not make up for nearly enough to redeem, yeah, or to sit through. No, no. No. Okay. So, Casey, listen. So, we're doing this live. I, I've got, in my opinion, five five wonderful Westerns that we could consider. But we have to put a poll up on Twitter. So we're going to put a poll up on our Twitter and we're going to get, we're going to see what our, we're going to see what our TSPHC Patreon. uh, Oh, well, well, you know what? You put three of those as the voting one. So you're, you're right. Let's talk about that. What are the five that you have? Okay, so two of these two of these are remakes, and I'm specifically calling out the remake to keep us in the mo- you know modern s- filmmaking. I'm gonna guess one of those two is the Magnificent Seven. Yep. Yep. Do you want to guess what the other remake is? I don't. I, I can't think of what it would be. The remake of True Grit. Oh, which I've never seen. <gasps> Oh, then I, ooh, then that's going to, I'm going to skew heavily towards that. Um, that's Kelly given, Seinfeld, right? What? Yes, yes. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And um, Jeff Bridges in as and, good of a role as the dude was. I mean, like. And, and Matt Damon. And Matt Damon. Who's the other fucking person in there? There's someone else big in there. I'm not going to think of it. Okay, so those are two remakes. We've talked about Unforgiven. There's no sure. way you talk about a modern Western. But let then, going back to the other end of Clint Eastwood's Western career, The Good, the, the good, Bad, the and the Ugly. Which my dad had, had said should be on the bad list. And I'm like, Dad, this is a pretty highly it's rated. Pretty universally, it's in the top ten like Westerns of all time. Well, his response was, well, I don't like it. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. And, okay. Then, and then a movie that... Many people will call the best, we- the greatest Western of all, uh, of all time, Rio Grande. Oh, <laughs> did you say Oklahoma? You son of a bitch! Sure did. <laughs> so, um, Rio those, are, those are the movies that we're going to put up on the uh, on the on the uh, on our social media. We I mean, put five up. We. Uh, I know it, it we can't do it as a we may not be able to do it as a poll. We'll we'll figure out. We'll get some we'll get up to five of those up. I'm cool with putting those five and then if anyone has any other suggestions, yeah, like, please send yeah, random comment. Sure. 
And if, but much like with maximum overdrive, if we've got nothing that's really scaling or pegging the needle one way or the other, we'll just do another draw. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Out of Um, gallon. Do you have any other westerns that you would put up in terms of like? No, no, I, I I don't. I mean, you know, there's Tombstone and Wyatt Earp, but sure, potato, potato. Mm -hmm. Um, no. Okay. No, remember, uh, westerns not my, my not my. I mean, I, I enjoy the westerns that I've seen, but it's not something I seek out. Seek out. Well, I okay, cool. So those are except for the Mandalorian. <laughs> that's that's right. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, especially season two, I was like, oh, so we're just a space western now. Cool. <laughs> uh, well, for me, every one of those is a D and D adventure. It's an but like, like when he in the Marshall, when he gets to the town and it's a fucking saloon town, and sure, but the Marshall, but he's got to kill the monster. I mean, every one of those is a D and D adventure. <laughs> every one of those episodes is a D and D adventure, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. All right, so hey, Casey, that was a yeah. movie. <sighs> it was. <laughs> I, I I don't even have a joke to make. Um, wait, wait, Todd, where can... No, wait. We're not doing those anymore. No, we're not doing that. They know where hey, to find uh, TSPHC Army, if you want to find us on Twitter, that's going to be TSPHC Tweets. And uh, on Instagram, I put up the beer that we're drinking for each movie and sometimes some other fun things. Uh, I've really been good. I've wanted to put up some of the... Um, Spy shots from uh, Spider-Man <laughs> three, but I've, I've been a good boy. Uh, good. I don't want to do anything until there are official pictures out. Uh, you can find that at Superpod Hero Cast. Um, the email for us, if you'd like to write us a long form uh, letter, is superpodherocast at gmail dot com because. Only Cap writes letters. Tony. Music for the episode comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. He puts out a variety of music royalty-free at his website, which is incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. So, that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be heroic. So he's digging graves next to other graves that have already been... He's digging... Hang on. Let me try that again without burping. Good luck. Mm-hmm. They start riding away. Cue the music at the end. I will remember... No, that's not the Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fucked it up. Do it again. What's the Dawson's Creek? I literally never... I've never seen a single episode. Oh, me neither. I just know that it's... Hang on. I got. I gotta get it right. Uh, oh, okay. I got it. Okay. <clears throat>